Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. What's up, heaters? Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, presented to you, as always, by Manscaped. And thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate you guys very much. I'm Amanda, and I'm joined tonight just by one of my pulchritudinous co-hosts, Ryan. Nick is otherwise occupied hosting a championship, or coaching, I'm sorry, not hosting, a championship baseball team. Please make sure you find us on Twitter. You can follow the show there at Half Street High Heat for all the latest news, announcements, and irreverence. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which is updated all the time with great new articles. Um, probably a lot of stuff coming your way, I would think, in the next week with the trade deadline almost upon us. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Um, I'm excited to hear how Nick's team does in this tournament. I know he had to drive a long way for it, so I'm excited he got his weekend's worth going up there. But But if you have to go that far, at least you got into the championship game. I know. I I watched the new Space Jam over the weekend. And even though I watched it on HBO Max, I still wanted my money back. (laughs) (laughs) It was that I heard dreadful things about it. It's like it's like it's 
I know it was a kids movie, but there's a lot of kids movies I've watched and I've thoroughly enjoyed and uh-huh, thought there's really, a lot of really great good movies. Kids movies yeah. out there. Like most DreamWorks and like Pixar movies are great movies. So like I, I went in it not really expecting anything, but man, was it painful. It was like really painful, hard to watch. You know that meme about our expectations for you were low, but holy like, yeah, that, that it was yeah. it was that like it was really cheesy <laughs> and corny. Like it was kind of weird. I sat there watching it. I was like, oh my god, this is two hours long. Like it was it was tough. That's the other problem. Two hours is a long movie. You better be like engrossing if you're going to make your movie two hours long. I had I know somebody who's a huge aficionado of the first Space Jam who tried to watch it and said they got through twenty minutes and turned it off. Yeah, it's it was it was interesting. Like there's no song. Like there wasn't even like a. A, like iconic song for it that I thought there was going to be, but it's it's whatever, you know. Well, not only can you not get your money back, but you can't get those two hours of your life back either. <laughs> so that is a is good point. What it is. Speaking of things that are dreadful, let's get to the quick pitch. Is the NL East the worst division in the history of baseball? So that is a great question. Because NL East stinks. It's <laughs> we, so bad right now. <laughs> we've we've talked about it before, but like only the Phillies are playing well right now. Everyone is suffering huge setbacks. And when you look at it, so there's been five teams. Well, not five teams. The list only shows five. So in 2007, the Cubs won the NL Central winning 85 games. In 2017, the Twins made the playoffs winning the wild card, making 85 games. In 1997, the Astros won the AL Central with 84 Dodgers won the NL West with 84 in 2008. Um, sorry, my computer is like really weirdly zoom in. Give me one second. 2006, <laughs> everyone knows about the, the Cardinals won 83 games, what they did winning their division. But the worst of all time was the Padres in 2005. They won 82 games. That is the worst division winner. And that was in 2005. I think we- this one might be worse. <laughs> like. Could they get 80? Like, could, could, the, could the winner have 80 or 81? I feel like it could happen. We, we might not get there. Like, <laughs> this division is a dumpster fire. I swear, every single day we're seeing, like, some team in the East doing something that just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like, today the Mets thought a ball was foul, and all three runners just score because they're arguing with the umpire. Guys are getting hurt in really weird ways. It is the worst division I've ever seen. (laughs) It's just about like the Nats have been so bad. And I keep thinking, well, now they're really out of it. But then I look at the rest of the division and I'm like, "Hmm." speaking of memes, you know, that one with the girl who's making like the, this is terrible face and then makes the little, Oh, well maybe not so bad. That's kind of how I feel every time I look at the standings. I'm like, Oh, the Nats are so bad. Oh, Oh, maybe (laughs) the Nats, the Nats are three and 11 in the month of July. And I feel, think they've only lost two and a half games that says everything you need to know about this oh division my goodness that's an amazing stat <laughs> yeah i don't even know what to say anymore like i keep it's funny because we've talked a lot about how even if they can win the division they're not going anywhere in the playoffs so it makes sense to you know retool or sell or however you want to describe it but it's just there are a lot of people that if you have the chance to win your division are never going to give up and i feel like no matter how hard the nets try to lose this division <laughs> the other teams just keep going, no, 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 stay in it. Just hang, well, hang right here with us. <laughs> that's 
That's kind of like a, a good segue because we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But Mike Rizzo had an interview on TNT today, or sorry, TBS today. That was really interesting about what uh-huh. he had to say about the trade deadline. But jumping in, it was a big, big and busy weekend because it is deadline season. We are 11 days away from the trade deadline, and we already have some moves and many rumors. Braves trade for Jock Peterson and Stephen Vogt to counter some big injuries they have suffered. Astros are reportedly interested in Max Scherzer. Um, spoiler alert, everyone's interested in Max Scherzer. That's nothing new. Phillies are in the front of the line for Byron Buxton. Starlin Marte is likely to be traded after rejecting a contract extension. The Marlins do not want to get to a third year, and Starlin Marte wants four years. Dodgers, Mets, Nats are reportedly interested in Chris Bryant. Yankees have begun shopping and calling about outfield help around the league because they don't have any outfielders right now. Willie, Willie Adamus has 26 extra base hits since he became a Brewer on May 22nd. Only MLB players have more in that span. Sorry, more this season are Otani and Tatis. Fan who hit Alex Verdugo has been banned from all 30 MLB stadiums for life. The Blue Jays get okay to play in Toronto beginning July 30th. To the NL East, and fifth place are the 40 and 53 Marlins, who lost 3 or 4 to the Phillies. More on them later in the show. And fourth place are the 43 and 49 Nationals. More of them in a second as well. And third place are the 45 and 47 Braves. They lost 2-3 to the Rays and now have the Padres. Despite their injuries, as of right now, they are buying. Their front office moved early to be able to flip these additions if they do not work. And second place are the 47 and 45 Phillies. They're the only team playing well in NL East. They're 7-3 in their last 10. The next best record in the last 10 in this division is 5-5. Five and five. They won their first series against the Marlins since 2013. Up next for them is a very fun series because they are now only two games back of the Mets. Is their bit an inner town rival, the Yankees? In first place are the 48 and 42 Mets. They came back down 6-1 to avoid the sweep against the Pirates a day after blowing a 6-0 lead. They went 3-4 and four against the Pirates over the seven-game stretch. Jacob DeGrom had the second-best ERA and best opposing batting average against, entering the, de- um, the All-Star break since 1933. Unfortunately, he's now on the 10-day IL. He says all of his issues this year have occurred while he was hitting. Lindor hit the IL as well with a strained oblique, and he's looking at a five- to six-week timetable. Up next for them is the Reds. This has been your week in review. Make sure you check out our fantastic uh, site and get yourself some great half street high heat swag. That's great advice. You can get to our T public site on the website. There's a link there and you should be visiting the website every day anyway. So it'll be easy for you. Yeah. Um, the Mets injuries are out of control <coughs> and, uh, that thing was, I think it was time on Walker. I was in the car today working. So I only heard a lot of this stuff like on the radio, but yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah, it was. It, it it was. He had a very rough first inning, as you can imagine. Um, Luis Rojas went absolutely ballistic. I think he's either going to be fine. They're possibly facing some type of discipline because he was making contact with the umpire quite often. Yeah. He lost it. I saw the replay a lot. It could have gone either way, but I mean, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. The Mets going to Mets, as they say. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little surprised. I wonder how you feel about the... Um, 
about the Braves being clear buyers here. I mean, obviously they see an opportunity in the NL East. They're not very far back and think they can win it. But I'm surprised given <clears throat> the way they've played and the injuries that they've had that they've decided this is a buy year for them. Yeah, so they are very interesting. So when they made their trades, Jeff Passan of ESPN reported that the Phillies and the Nats were also buyers at that moment. He noted that could change for every single team. All of them see that the Mets have not yet run away with the division and they saw an opportunity. Now with the latest injuries to the Mets, you feel like the division is kind of open a little bit more because the Mets knew they had to win every single fifth day and Lindor had been playing very, very well over the last two months. Mm -hmm. um, but with the Braves making the move, it's smart their timing. It's basically one of those things where they knew they're out their starting catcher. They knew they're out Ronald Acuna for the rest of the year. They went out and got people who can help now. If it helps, they make a little bit of a run. That's perfect. Your buyers at the deadline. If not, you sell and you can flip those guys. It's a very smart move for them to make. Yeah, I, I like it when teams go a little bit early before the deadline because it just opens up your options so much. Was it, what was the year they went out and got Doolittle and Madsen and all those guys? That year they went a little early. Yeah, we've seen we've seen the Nats do that for division help quite often. They did that with Kelvin Herrera. It didn't work out, fortunately. They did it with Doolittle, Matson, and then um, they got Kinsler as well. They got Kinsler a little bit after the deadline at like 403. We see teams do it often, and it's pretty smart. You know, if guys are available and you have a weakness, might as well grab them. But this year is really interesting, so I feel like it's going to be a wild trade deadline i think so too let me ask you this um the report i think it was passing who said that um the nats were in one of the teams in play for chris bryant what are your thoughts on let's say they become mostly sellers but they go get a guy like bryant obviously if it's just a rental that's stupid because you're not doing anything this year but if it's you know something where they can sign him and extend him would you be happy to see them make an addition like that so when deadline when I first saw they were interested in him, I was just like, it's not going to happen. Like, I feel like they're kind of just trying to drive the price up. Um, John Heyman reported that there wasn't a prospect match for them. I was like, yeah, obviously, because the Nats did not want to give up. Got none. <laughs> they don't want to give up Cavelli and they don't want to give up Rutledge, which is very good to see. Um, but it's also interesting because now with Starlin Castro, who's out because he's currently under investigation for um, domestic violence, I think their interest changed. Before, I thought maybe that's just a little bit like not great interest, but I think now the interest has doubled, especially with Castro being out, because now they realize we have a pretty big need. But if the Nats acquire Chris Bryant, I'm going to be pretty torn on it because I still think this team should sell. But if you told me the Nats signed into a long-term extension i would be okay with it if they gave up nothing of worth if tell me they traded for chris bryant signed to a long-term extension i would kind of be pretty annoyed because like sorry did i say rutledge i'm gonna say rutledge i don't know if i did um you can get them in the off season but I, I would i would be pretty happy if the nats got chris bryant i would too i if they can get him signed to a long-term deal i think you know even if you're kind of punting on this year, I think if you know you can get Chris Bryant to have, you know, for at least two or three years going forward, I think it would make sense. They don't have a lot to give up, but he's he's also a rental right now for this year. So I don't know how much you have to give up to get him. But it's going to be very interesting to see. It looks like with several teams interested, they may be have a bidding war 
So I would love for them to get Chris Bryant as long as as long as it's not just as a move for this season, because with so many injuries now, and we're going to talk about Strauss in a little while, um, obviously not looking like he's anywhere near coming back. Um, Max has been struggling lately. Corbin has been Corbining. So there's just, you know, I can't see them making any moves at this. I, I can't see them making any moves at this point that make them serious buyers for this year. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Rizzo loves to do that, but he did start making some sounds today that made the possibility of selling seem more more real than it has up to this point. And we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that in a few. Well, I have I have his quote right here, actually. Okay. I, this is a pretty good segue since we're on it. So he was on TBS, and he was talking a lot. He talked about the incident that occurred Saturday night at Nats Park. Wish everyone involved is doing okay. Um, but he was talking about that. But then they asked him about the deadline. And... Going into this, I was just like, he's going to do his typical, you know, we like the guys we have, but we know we're a championship team. We just need like a couple pieces that we're going to address. We're going to make those calls. He didn't go that route, which was very interesting to me. He said, quote, we're going to evaluate where we are up to the deadline. We feel we can play with everyone when we are semi-healthy and now be a big part in it, and we'll make our decision then. That kind of sounds like selling is on the Mm -hmm. table. It's going to determine what happens these next couple weeks leading up to it obviously the Nats are playing rather poor right now um we have some yeah, look, stats who, on look who they have in their lineup I mean they're the lineup they're putting out there every day is not a major league lineup exactly but that's the thing because no one else in the division is putting up a major league lineup also the Mets are ravaged with injuries right now no idea how they're above 500 they may not it's be crazy. able to they may not be able to survive the Lindor one the Braves are ravaged with injuries. The Phillies are somehow healthy, but the Phillies just really aren't good. They're playing good baseball right now. Everything's wide open, so everything that happens, these next 13 games or 12 games, it's going to be really, really interesting because from what Rizzo's saying, it's going to determine what happens. Yeah, and up to this point, I haven't heard anything out of the front office that makes it sound that had made it sound like selling was even on the table. They were like not giving up on the season, and I'm sure internally they were they were having those discussions. But this feels to me like a little bit of a trial balloon. Like we're putting it out there that we might be sellers, like getting it into the public consciousness, so that when it happens, everybody doesn't freak out. If it happens now, there's just not they're just running out of runway here. Is the problem? When we get semi-healthy, when is that? I mean, like we just said, Strauss isn't anywhere near coming back. You know, I haven't heard anything about Schwarber. I don't know what the timetable is for him at all. I mean, they're just the big pieces who are injured right now aren't on the horizon. There's no cavalry coming to the rescue. And I don't see how between now and July 31st anything is going to happen that's going to significantly change the Nats' fortunes. I think you muted yourself. Right? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like sitting here talking back, but I agree. And unfortunately it was not the best start coming out of the trade deadline. I mean, yeah, sorry. Coming out of the all-star break. I keep doing that today. The Nats lost two, three to the Padres. They're able to salvage today's game with a really good. Barely. Yeah. You know, they, they blew some leads. They came back, they avoided the sweep, but it was ugly. The Nats had three touchdowns dropped on them. <laughs> and this is my the most unreal stat I've ever heard. So the Padres scored 24 runs. 
They had the player hit for the cycle, had the player with seven RBIs, had the player score five runs, one off from the tying the major league record. Since RBI became an official stat, no team had accomplished all those feats in the same season. Padres did that in one game. That's how terrible that game was. It was, was an ugly one. Oh my god. Watch. That game was like it was just one of those games where like you just had to laugh. Nothing was going right for the Nats. It started rough, couldn't get two innings out Fetty, and it just it just kept getting worse. It was just yeah, <laughs> it, every time you're like, This is as bad as it can get. Oh no, no, it's not. And Max, uh, can we just have him never play the Padres again? That would be great. Oh my goodness. Set so he's given up eleven earned runs in his last two starts. Oh god. Everyone has that one team that kind of sees you very well. The Padres are a very, very good team. It's pretty evident by what we saw this weekend that the Padres are a little bit better than the Nationals. <laughs> as, as, as things are right now, the Nats aren't up to that level where the Padres are. And the Padres are just a good baseball team. They grind you in the lineup. They have Cronenworth, who's playing absolutely ridiculous right now. Never seen, like, Came out nowhere. Um, Tatis, again, probably the MVP right now, playing unreal. Machado's playing very, very well. They're just a good team that just grinds you down. And, you know, unfortunately, these haven't gone Max's way. Today, he had to go back out for the seventh. I think he was kind of done after the sixth inning. But with how depleted this bullpen was, Davey had to get one more inning out of him. Like, I know Davey sent it back out there for the seventh just so he's like, all right. I only have to use Hudson and Hand. Both of them had to work. But, yeah, he gave up four runs today in seven innings. Padres are just damn good. <laughs> yeah, and the fourth inning is apparently now his kryptonite. Yeah, it, it used to be the first. He'd always give it, like, a solo shot. But now it's the fourth inning. Things don't go well from there. No, they do not. But they did come from behind after blowing the lead. They, they avoided the sweep, which is good. I mean, as... <laughs> Poorly as they've been playing, can you imagine if they had just lost three straight, especially in such ugly... I mean, even though they won today, it was not a good game. They did not play well. Oh, no, no. They they didn't play well by any means today because they lost six straight. This was their last game in the 17 straight games against teams above 500. It had not gone very well. They had to find a way to win today's game. I feel like if they lost today's game, like the Mets won, they would have been seven games back. That would have stung. It would have hurt big time. So it was a good, gritty win, one that they really needed to get. Juan Soto was an absolute big part in that. This series, he went 7 for 13 with two walks and three home runs. He is coming out of the break on fire. And maybe, who knows, maybe the home run derby actually uh, exactly. fixed his swing. People <laughs> always say the derby like breaks their swing, and maybe it fixed his swing. Maybe, maybe it did. So the good news is now, though, that the schedule is going to get a little bit easier before the All-Star break. God, oh, my God. I keep doing <laughs> this doing tonight. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. New drinking game. Take a shot every time I mix those up. Just go back and start listening to that. Don't do it. You'll <laughs> um, So they played 14 straight games against the NLS. They went 3-11 in that spam. Not very good. All three of those teams are going to be in the playoffs. That's kind of a litmus test. But with where the Nats are right now, the biggest concern is that starting pitchers had a 7.98 ERA, 1.935 whip, and averaged less than five innings per start in this 14-game uh, stretch. Is that good? You know, it's, 
<laughs> it's it's not great. It's it's hard to Seven, win baseball nine, games eight. like that. Oh, yes. that's they're, dreadful. They're going less than five innings, and it's hard to win baseball games like that. And you're out Strauss, um, who we'll talk about in a second here, but that is tough to win games because your lineup is, like we said, they're pretty hurt right now. The starting pitching isn't hurt, right? This team is built around starting pitching, and when you can't even get five innings out of mm-hmm. what you're paying a lot of money for, you're just not going to win baseball games. It doesn't matter who you are. You can't win like that. And it doesn't matter who your bullpen is either, because no matter how oh, bad yeah. your bullpen is, if your starters can't average five innings per start, your bullpen is going to be just hammered. You, you, can't, you can't get that few innings out of your starters and expect your bullpen to be able to pick up the team day after day after day. Yeah, like you, you can't. I mean – Fed didn't even go two innings. They're on like pitcher number four by the time the third inning ended. And that's just, that's tough. That is a very tough spot to win. And it hurts you the next day. But then like the thing that sucks is Patrick Corbin has the third highest ERA amongst all qualified pitchers. Um, John Lester would have the third highest if he qualifies. So that means Corbin would be fourth. Eric Fetty would have the third highest as well. So if all those guys qualified. Rounding out the top five. Literally, didn't have to be rounding out the top five. That's three. That's sixty percent of your starters. Yeah, that's oh unbelievably bad. It's it's just like it's really weird because I expected the lineup to struggle this year, and the lineup has struggled. I'll give them like a little bit of some you know leeway there, just because a lot of guys have been hurt. But man, I did not expect the starting pitch to be that bad. Neither did I, and I have to say, given, I mean, I know they've given up a ton of runs, and that's on the pitching um, more than, obviously, the defense plays a part in that, but that's mostly on the pitching. But the the lineup, given the names that are in it right now, have actually scored quite a lot of runs, more than I would have expected, more than they were scoring earlier in the season when we had most of our starters healthy. Yeah, like, literally, the lineup is Trey, Juan, Josh Bell. Like and those Harrison's three, had a really nice series. Harrison, I, w- I will say Harrison has been playing very, very well. Um, I'm really, really liking what I've seen about him. He struggled for a little bit, but he's back. It's just those guys contributing. And then, you know, I'll see Zescobaro get a key hit every once in a while, like he did walking it off. And then all these yeah, other Para. people just plugging it. <laughs> Para sucks, okay? I don't care he had a three-run home run. The guy stinks, not talking about him. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't your ideal situation. The lineup's not good as it is right now. We have no catchers. We have no catchers. Absolutely no catchers. But they're pulling their weight for the most part. The unfortunate thing is you can't overcome what your starting pitching is doing, and we're seeing yeah. it. That's the if reason why they're 6-11. terrific lineup, it would be really hard to overcome what the starting pitching is doing, and it's not a terrific lineup. You, you want to know why? You, here's the perfect example. When fully healthy, the Angels have the best lineup in the league. They have Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, Jared Walsh. They have a very good lineup. They stink. You can't overcome bad starting pitching. You just can't. It well, absolutely hopefully the starting you. pitching will not be as bad as it's been in this last stretch against the NL West going forward. It's been it's been bad for a while. That's, that's it has been that bad stinks. for a while, but this this last oh, yeah, stretch this was, has been really bad. This is brutal. And unfortunately, we got even worse news. Strauss, hit it, hit it. I don't, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but what was, I think it was from it was his, It was his neck. Yeah, he said his neck still wasn't feeling right. So Strauss is shut down. 
Mike Rizzo on the broadcast today said they're hoping in the couple days before the trade deadline they can get him back. It also seemed like with his comments about the deadline that we talked about earlier, Strauss and Schwarber health is kind of going to decide everything. But man, Strauss is so frustrating. Like I love Strauss. Strauss I is love him, but one of my favorite players. But he is so frustrating. And it sucks because it's not his fault. And I'm sure no one is more frustrated than Steven Strasburg. No. Exactly. Like, Strauss got the contract he deserved. It was questionable. I didn't agree with it. He deserved that contract for everything he did for this team. He was finally healthy, and he hasn't been healthy since. And that contract is going to keep coming up with every single setback he has. It stinks because it's a hefty it's, one. I mean, has he played? What has he played? Five games? Like he's played- I think he has twenty some odd innings. Yeah, it's, it's since he signed that contract. I mean, that's unreal. I, yeah. I understand guys, you know, there's always an argument whether guys live up to their <clears> contracts or not when they sign a big, massive contract like that. But this is, it, has there ever been a situation like this where somebody signed a contract of that magnitude and then just didn't play? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see him this year. I, I don't think we, I don't think we will, but if it makes people feel better, Anthony Radone hasn't been healthy since he signed with the Angels either, and he signed a big boy contract. That's true. Um, but I don't. I don't. But he's think played do. a lot more than Strauss has. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I really don't think we see him again. I don't think we see him this year. I really don't. I the think this, this shutdown. This shutdown with him saying, "Oh, my neck just doesn't feel right." There is something more major going on here. Like, I've had, I slept on my neck wrong. Oh, I've got a tweak in my neck. Everybody gets that sometimes. I'm old. That happens. I sleep and hurt my neck sometimes. But this has gone on for a long time. Like, if you're still not feeling right, like, there is something going on structurally that's causing an issue. And if that's the case, you know, they're going to have to identify what it is. And hopefully it's something that rest can cure and it's not like a surgical fix or something. But I am very concerned that we're not going to have Steven Strasburg on this team this year. Yeah, honestly. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, hope, I hope both of us are wrong because I'm agreeing with you. The thing with Strauss is the way his delivery is, it puts a lot of stress on his elbow and his neck. It puts from elbow up to the neck, the way he breaks his arms with where he has his elbow above his shoulder, it's a lot of stress on your body. And I remember when he came up, my dad literally said he's going he's gonna to have a major injury soon because of that delivery, and he ended up doing it. So I don't know if his entire life of his mechanics has kind of like tweaked something like a nerve or something, but something's not right because this keeps popping up and everything seems rather similar with him. Like it's always like a nerve or the neck or one of those type of things where I agree with you. I feel like there's an underlining issue. Like maybe he has like a really, really bad like pinched nerve somewhere that keeps doing this. Yeah. Or like a, yeah, like a, you know, compressed vertebrae or something like that. Like I, we're totally speculating, but like some sort of structural issue going on that's really nebulous and hard to identify because yeah. it's just so many injuries. It's so many times he has a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And I don't know. It's, it's incredibly frustrating and as I said, I'm sure no one's more frustrated than Strasburg himself. But as as a fan of the team, I, I just don't think you can count on him being part of it. No, you can't. Like, at this moment, you, you can't have him in your long-term plans 
Because like I said last time, you don't know what type of pitcher he is. Like yeah, you, we don't even know who he is anyway. It's a question yeah. two years. We don't we don't know how his velocity is. We don't know how his movement is. Injuries take a toll on your body, and we don't know how it's taking a toll on Strauss's. All we know is that it is lingering. That's all we know. Yeah, but, and we haven't seen him pitch healthy since. I mean, in three months, it will have been two years since yeah, the last time we saw him he, pitch healthy. The Nats sold out and probably sold him out to win the World Series, which is fine because they did, but. I kind of feel like that run did a lot, did a number on him. Yeah, something did. Well, that's a super depressing conversation. Let's go to something even worse. Um, Starlin Castro has been placed on the commissioner's list for a domestic violence accusation. Uh, We haven't seen a lot of details come out about it, except what I do know is he was gone from the team. Was it like a month and a half ago? Earlier, so, It was a little less than that, but yeah. Yeah, gone from the team for, you know, having to deal with a family issue. And they didn't give any more details than that at the time, but it sounded like the team was, oh, we fully support Castro and he's dealing with his family thing. He'll be back when he can. Now I'm putting two and two together. It seems like whatever injury or something was happening to some family member was due to a domestic violence issue because now he's under some sort of investigation for formal charges about whatever happened. Yeah, um, Davey said that this was not related to what he was placed on the restricted list for, because if it was, that is a horrible look for everyone involved. But when Davey was asked about Castro, he said, quote, yesterday when I was told, I was shocked. I really was. But like I said, we don't tolerate that kind of behavior. I'm going to support MLB, not only in this game, but in anything in life. Domestic violence is awful. There's no place for it. He went on to say, when the process is done, that'll be another conversation. But for right now, until he goes through that process, I really have nothing to say about him. That was when he was asked if he would be welcome back to the team if he's clear. Davey did not mince words, and I'm very proud of him for that. I am, too. That was awesome to hear. Especially after everything that went with Trevor Bauer, the way the Dodgers kind of went about it. Oh, yeah, he's going to pitch. That was very good to hear. MLB is doing their investigation, but I don't really want to see Castro play for the Nats again. No. If if these accusations are true, and I always preface it with that because accusations are accusations, and then you know, if this is true and this happened, then I hope the team just gets rid of him. And it's it, it hurts the team so much because he was actually starting to play fairly well. Um, he had been on a tech. He was hitting over 300 for the last stretch. So it's a huge loss to the lineup. But, um, you know, hearing Davey's response really was heartening. There are so many kind of mealy-mouthed responses you see this kind of stuff. in not just baseball, but in other sports, especially the NFL, where you can tell they don't actually care. They just are kind of going through the motions. And I often question Davey's managerial decisions, but as a human, he seems just like a top-notch human being. I did it again. You did it again, didn't you? Um, I did. But, yes, I I 100% agree with you. Everything Davey said was very spot on. I like how he went about this. I like how the franchise is going about it. I don't have much to say, like I said. I just don't want to see him play for the Nats again. Over it. It's despicable. Yeah, absolutely. Over it completely. Okay, before we talk about the next stretch for the Nats, we need to talk about something else, fellas. It's summer. It's hot. And uh, we know what that means. It means you you guys smell. I mean, let's just be real. It happens. 
uh, you fellows can get a little stinky, but don't worry. Our sponsor, Manscaped, has you covered. They've got all kinds of great products for you for the hot summer. They've got the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant product. They've got the Crop Reviver, which is a spray toner. They've got the Crop Cleanser, which is your body wash. And they have the Foot Duster, which is a special foot deodorant, which I got for one of my sons and works great. So um, you guys really need to make sure you're using that stuff. If you haven't already gotten it from Manscaped, do yourself a favor. Do your ladies in your life a favor and get over to their website, manscaped.com. Use our code HSHH20. That's going to get you 20% off anything you buy plus free shipping. Um, They've also got all kinds of other great stuff, including their fourth generation performance package, which includes the lawnmower 4.0. And if you don't already have that, it's, what is it that Nick always says? Life-changing, I believe, is the description he uses. So make sure you get over to manscaped.com. Use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, speaking of free shipping, not at all. The Nats are opening up against the Marlins. They have a three-game set um, in Nats Park, and even though the Marlins just lost three of four, this is not going to be an easy out. The Marlins are TBA for Monday, but on Tuesday, Trevor Rogers is pitching. And then Wednesday, Sandy Alcantara is pitching. Those guys are both pretty good pitchers. Um, their rotation's good. That is the strength of this team. It is going to be a challenge to this team. Like the Marlins are bad. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're not a good team. But they're not an easy out. They're that really pesky team, kind of like what the Pirates have been to everyone in the Annalise this year. They're just a prick in everyone's side, you know? Like, they're a very pesky team, and they're not an easy out. And this is when the schedule starts to get a little easier. You start with the Marlins. You got to take two or three. You got to take at least two or three. And uh, you're right. They're not an easy out and they're not a great team, but the Nats aren't a great team right now either. So, you know, people going, oh, the Marlins are so bad. This should be easy. Um, (laughs) You got to take a look in the mirror. The Nats aren't that good right now. (laughs) They're looking at the Nats going, oh, our schedule is getting easier. (laughs) Our schedule's even. (laughs) I know, exactly. So after the Marlins, they've got the Orioles. Um, That's another one that ought to be, I mean, what do you think? Two or three at least. Yes. You've got to, you've got to, in this stretch, the Phillies, who, as you mentioned, are playing much better right now, better than anybody else in the NL East. Um, But you've got, I would say you've got to split with the Phillies and the Cubs are struggling big time. I really think if you don't take, what is this total? You've got, what, 13 games here? That's 13 games. I feel like you've got to take nine. You've got to take nine if you want to even have a prayer of keeping pace in the, in, in the dreadful NL East, but you still have to do it. Um, if you can't take nine, I really think you just need to acknowledge where you are and hit that sell button. Yeah, like we we learned a lot about the Nats over the 17-game stretch. And what we learned is they're not up to those teams, like just plain and simple. Now, on paper, the schedule is a little easier. This is going to determine the trade deadline. With how the injuries are for this team, you know, all these teams aren't really doing very well right now either. They may catch the Cubs at the right time because if the Cubs still have Bias, Bryant, and Rizzo, they're going to be annoying. But if they unload any of them, might be a little bit easier. Like you said, 
you have you have to take nine. You absolutely have to find a way to take nine and get yourself to one game under five hundred by the deadline. Because if you're one game under five hundred by the deadline, you're buying. Because that you know you're you're probably within four games or so. Because this division, like we said, reeks. You have 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 to find a way to win nine games. If you win nine games, you're good. Yeah, but this is a team that just went three and eleven. So expecting them to win nine of 13 is a pretty big ask. It, it, it really is like, and you know, in that three and 11, it, it, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> no, was, I mean, even the three weren't very pretty. <laughs> it was, it was very ugly at times, but those were three, probably the three best teams in the national league. It wasn't an even match. <laughs> so going three and 11 and then asking to find a way to win nine games is a very tough thing to do. And it's a very stark turnaround, but it's one that kind of has to happen. Something that kind of plays in the Nats favor. I feel like even if, well, six and seven, you can't do if you go six and seven, this team's selling, but like, even if they go seven and six, you're at five games under 500. That's not very good. I would still sell, but God only knows what everyone else in front of you is going to do because you may make up like three games. Yeah, I was just thinking like if they go, you know, if they only win five or six in this stretch and nobody else in the NL East has a good stretch either and they're still in in the mix, I could seriously see them either buying or honestly, remember the year that or last year when we were just so shocked and appalled that they did nothing, you know, like if they did that, I wouldn't be shocked. Appalled, yes, but not shocked. You know it's you know it's crazy though, like if the Nats do sell, say they traded Max, they traded Hudson, Hand, and um um Josh Harrison, mm-hmm. a team can probably still win the division because this division's that bad. Like <laughs> there it's is, a good point, especially if you do it to get a piece like if you were to pick up a piece like Bryant, who you're gonna have for the rest of the year, even if they get rid of some, if the division continues to be as bad as it has, and you do pick up a nice piece or two, even if you sell but you mm-hmm. get something back, you know what I mean? Yeah, there it was. Surprise me if they do something like that. Honestly, there was a moment when I was thinking, I was like, I don't think this team should buy, but I get it. Like just seeing how this division's playing out, seeing the stretch ahead, I was like, I kind of get it. Because, like, everyone's falling apart. Too. Literally, the Phillies are the only, like, kind of healthy team right now, and they're not even And they're not good anyway, even when, exactly. they're, when they're healthy. Yeah. Look, the Phillies aren't going to win more than 81 games. We know it's an absolute fact, so that's where they'll be. Can you get to 83? That's going to be the question I think the Nats need to ask themselves, and this stretch will be a very good judge of that because they have a lot of divisional games in August, and I think the entire month of September is nothing but divisional games. The questions they're going to have to ask themselves is, can we get to 83? And this stretch will determine it. Yeah, that's the question. And the other question is, can we afford to not, can we afford to not reload the farm a little bit when we have a chance? Because if you say, okay, we're going to try to win this division, and then you go in that stretch where it's all divisional games, and you lose a bunch of them, and you're out of the division, and you didn't sell even if you stand pat and don't do anything like this is what happened last year. It's what happened in 2018 when they didn't trade Harper and then lost him for nothing. Like they've had so many opportunities over the years where they could have gotten some 
assets and they didn't take it. And that's kind of my worst fear is that they're going to either stand pat or, you know, nibble around the edges, buy a little bit at the deadline. And then we lose the division anyway and have nothing to show for it. And next year is no different than this year. This is what makes being a GM so hard. Cause I guarantee you, these are all conversations the nationals have had especially with how this month has gone. I feel like they've had some very honest conversations about this team. And these are conversations they are probably continuing to have is, is it worth it? What do we do? Maybe if we get this guy, do we buy big? Do we buy little? What if we just sell? Those are all conversations this team has had. And those are very hard decisions. And I'm very happy. I don't have to be the one to make. <laughs> I'll just be here to, you know, pick it apart and bitch about whatever they decide. I'm sure. I'm going to make a meme about it, regardless of what this team does. <laughs> well, at least we're at least we're self-aware enough to know our place. That's good. <laughs> All right. Um, so, is there anything else before we get to our one big thing? No, that's it. All right, my one big thing is pretty small today, actually. Which it's is, the small thing. And Nick's not here to tell me I can't talk about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about <laughs> hockey. Uh, the Nats released, or the NHL released all of the protected lists today for the NHL expansion draft, and uh, TJ Oshie is remaining in Washington, D.C., and all is right with the world. That's my one big thing. <laughs> I love that because I know as you started, Nick would have been like, no, I know Nick's going to listen. talk about the capital. <laughs> He's the, know, he's the one big thing police. Nick's, Nick's going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, she's talking about the Caps again. And I'm going to be really excited to hear his reaction when he comes back later this week. Yes, but it will be fun. My one big thing, as bad as this year has gone, I'll say, I think it's fair to say this year has gone bad. It's been a very entertaining year, and it's going to be a very fun 11-game stretch. And I'm oh, sorry, 13-game stretch. I am. I'm not well today. <laughs> Math Sp- is hard. It's Space fine. Jam has really messed me up. I know, exactly. You watch Space Jam and now look at you. You're a <laughs> But, no, this is going to be a really fun 13-game stretch, and I'm excited. Going in, no expectations. You know what? Whatever happens, happens. If they buy, whatever, nothing I say or feel is going to change it. If they sell, that's fantastic. But let's do it. It's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Not Christmas. The trade deadline. The trade and deadline we is so are fun. in the stretch. It is rumor season. And let's do it. I'm excited. Yeah. I do love trade deadlines. No matter what the sport is, it's always so much fun. I'm like constantly refreshing Twitter to see what the latest is, especially like in that last hour right before the end. Oh, the best. It is best. tweet notifications on for Passon, Rosenthal, Heyman, Olney, and then any other couple of uh, Mish for the Marlins. He always breaks ones. Any of those mm-hmm. people. Always and half street high heat. For oh, sure. absolutely, half street high heat. Um, <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Three years ago, yesterday, some guy on Twitter told me he was gonna fight me and find me at the All Star game for coming up with a fake trade rumor. So I'm gonna have to come up with another one. Exciting. Are you gonna at him? Or are you? <laughs> no, I can't remember who the guy was. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I guess that's enough trouble starting on Twitter. I do remember that incident. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah he was like uh, he was like big mad like in real life mad i know like, i was like Dude, are you okay are you okay so what is going on in your life that this fake twitter rumor has affected you so badly yeah 
hard stuff. Okay, well, I think that will do it for us this evening. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. We appreciate you so much. Make sure you find the uh, main account on Twitter at Half Street High Heat and the website at HalfStreetHighHeat.com where you can get your fill of rumors and articles leading up to the trade deadline. And uh, have a great night. We'll talk in a couple days. Later. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play Most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool. I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.